0: Chapter Fifty Three of Chicot the Jester by Alexandre Dumas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia. Chapter Fifty Three, The Friends. While Paris was in this ferment, Madame de Monsoreau, escorted by her father and two servants, pursued their way to Meridore. She began to enjoy her liberty, precious to those who have suffered. The azure of the sky compared to that which hung always menacingly over the black towers of the Bastille, the trees already green, all appeared to her fresh and young, beautiful and new, as if she had really come out of the tomb where her father had believed her. He, the old baron, had grown young again. We will not attempt to describe their long journey, free from incidents. Several times the baron said to Diana, Do not fear my daughter. Fear what? were you not looking if monsieur de monsoreau was following us yes it was true i did look replied she with a sigh and another glance behind at last on the eighth day they reached the chateau of Meridor, and were received by madame de saint-luc and her husband then began for these four people one of those existences of which every man has dreamed in reading virgil or theocritus the baron and saint-luc hunted from morning till evening you might have seen troops of dogs rushing from the hills in pursuit of some hare or fox, and startling Diana and Jean as they sat side by side on the moss under the shade of the trees. "'Recount to me,' said Jean, "'all that happened to you in the tomb. For you were dead to us. See the hawthorn is shedding on us its last flowers, and the elders send out their perfume. Not a breath in the air, not a human being near us. Recount, little sister.' what can i say tell me are you happy that beautiful eye often swimming in tears the paleness of your cheeks that mouth which tries a smile which it never finishes diana you must have many things to tell me no nothing you are then happy with monsieur de monsoreau diane shuddered you see said Jean, with monsieur de monsoreau why did you pronounce that name, why do you evoke that phantom in the midst of our woods, our flowers, our happiness?" "You told me, I think," said Jean, "that Monsieur de Bussy showed much interest in you?" Diana reddened, even to her round, pretty ears. "He is a charming creature," continued Jean, kissing Diana. "It is folly," said Diana; Monsieur de Bussy thinks no more of Diana de Méridor? That is possible, but I believe he pleases Diana de Monsoreau a little. Do not say that. Does it displease you? I tell you he thinks no more of me, and he does well. Oh, I was cowardly! What do you say? Nothing, nothing. Now, Diana, do not cry, do not accuse yourself, you cowardly! You, my heroine, you were constrained. I believed it, I saw dangers, gulfs under my feet. Now, Jean, these dangers seem to me chimerical, these gulfs as if a child could cross them. I was cowardly, I tell you. Oh, I had no time to reflect. You speak in enigmas? No, cried Diana, rising. It was not my fault, it was his the duc d'anjou was against him but when one wishes a thing when one loves neither prince nor master should keep you back see jean if i loved be calm dear friend i tell you we were cowardly we of whom do you speak that we is eloquent my dearest diana i, I mean my father and i you did not think anything else did you my father is a nobleman he might have spoken to the king i am proud and do not fear a man when i hate him but he did not love me you lie to yourself you know the contrary little hypocrite you may believe in love jean you whom Monsieur de saint luc married in spite of the king you whom he carried away from paris you who pay him by your caresses for proscription and exile and he thinks himself richly repaid but i reflect a little do not be egotistical i whom that fiery young man pretended to love i who fixed the regards of that invincible bussy he who fears no one i was alone with him in the cloister of l'eguptienne we were alone but for gertrude and Remy, our accomplices he could have carried me off at that moment i saw him suffering because of me I saw his eyes languishing, his lips pale and parched with fever. If he had asked me to die to restore the brightness to his eyes and the freshness to his lips, I should have died. Well, I went away, and he never tried to detain me. Wait, s- still, he knew that I was leaving Paris, that I was returning to Meridor. He knew that Monsieur de monsoreau I blush as I tell it, was only my husband in name. He knew that I traveled alone and along the road. Dear Jean, I kept turning, thinking I heard the gallop of his horse behind us, but no, it was only the echo of my own. I tell you, he does not think of me. I am not worth a journey to Anjou while there are so many beautiful women at the court of France whose smiles are worth a hundred confessions from the provincial buried at Moridor. Do you understand now? Am I forgotten, despised? She had not finished when the foliage of the oak rustled, a quantity of mortar and moss fell from the old wall, and a man threw himself at the feet of Diana who uttered an affrighted cry. Jean ran away. She recognized him. "'Here I am!' cried Bussy, kissing the dress of Diana. She too recognized him and, overcome by this unexpected happiness, fell unconscious into the arms of him whom she had just accused of indifference. End of chapter 53, recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.